Leadership File on Premier. So it's my joy to welcome you to The Leadership File, the show that aims to help you lead as Christ would have you lead wherever he has placed you. I'm Andy Peck, your host, and whether you listen live on a Sunday or one of the many thousands who catch up via the podcast, it's great that you can join us. A reminder, you can buy my book, The Leadership Road Less Travelled, at the Premier Store. If we look at the church groupings we're part of, we can forget that at one time they were part of something much bigger that God was doing. In the UK, we think of the charismatic movement of the 60s and the 70s, or of the move of the 18th century revival that eventually gave birth to the Methodist Church. Well, this week I'm joined by Steve Addison, who has made something of a study of church movements as he and his wife have engaged in church planting for over 20 years. His latest book shares the fruit of his research. It's entitled The Rise and Fall of Movements, A Roadmap for Leaders. And so he joins me via phone from his uh, home in Melbourne, Australia. So uh, welcome, Steve, to the Leadership Farm. Thank you, Andy. And, uh, and thanks for the book. Um, how do you hope the book will serve the church, Steve? Well, uh, it's taking them back or us back to first principles, um, and, uh, which is the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, and so we just look at um, how did this movement start and how does Jesus continue to lead us in fulfilling the Great Commission, the, the command to go to the nations and make disciples, you know, the core missionary task. And um, so it's really, what, what does it look like to, before we move on, to return to his life and ministry in who we are and how we do ministry and then make the application in whatever setting we are? So I guess um, it sounds a bit simplistic, but, uh, you know, for anyone listening, uh, the key to moving forward is is to make that return to uh, the life and the ministry of Jesus. And that's that's real freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, throughout the book, Steve, you you offer a slightly different mindset to the one most pastors certainly operate with. Uh, and you say earlier in the book, um, I'd taught thousands of sorry, hundreds of leaders around the world on the characteristic of movements. I trained church planters, pastors and denominational teams on implementation. Churches were planted, but where was the fruit? We weren't seeing multiplying disciples and churches. So what were the key changes in thinking that helped you see movements birthed as opposed to just churches planted, Steve? Well, I think it was um, rediscovering that, that, uh, you know, Jesus came to, uh, obviously, to, to, to give his life as a ransom for many. Uh, but he also came to, to lay the foundations for a, a, the world's sort of first global missionary movement. And it, the story of that, for me, you know, I, I was sort of captured by these, the two incidents of his baptism and wilderness testing. So Jesus is about to launch this this missionary movement, and um, there he is uh, at his baptism, then straight into the wilderness testing. And what is the Father writing on his heart? It's uh, devotion and obedience to the living Word. Uh, it's dependence on the Holy Spirit, and it's his commitment to the core missionary task of 
rescuing people from uh, sin and turning them into, you know, loving followers of uh, of Jesus. And so once once I sort of saw that, it it sort of showed me that he came not just he was a pastor, right? He is a good shepherd, but what's he doing? He's out looking for people. And, uh, you know, he spent time in the synagogue. He spent time with his disciples. But most of the time, Jesus is on the road and he's looking for people far from God. And um, so part of what he calls us back to are those, those three essentials of obedience to the word, dependence on the spirit, and that core missionary task, not just to pastor a pre-existing group of people in one geographic area, but... Um, you know, there are 175 towns and villages just in Galilee. And Matthew tells us that Jesus visited every single one. So he's come to birth a movement, not just to pastor one church. And to achieve that, um, he calls every disciple to be a disciple maker. And that at the heart is what a movement is. It's actually how... How do you make that next disciple of Christ will determine whether or not you can get, whether you'll see a movement. Right. right. Because that's the, the DNA in the building block. Okay. Well, we'll hopefully get to, to, to detail, Steve, as we as we unpack this you know, during the conversation. Um, I mean, you call the book a, a roadmap for church leaders, and it's arranged very clearly around mm. key principles concerning identity, strategy and methods. So could you perhaps just briefly outline these so people get an idea of of where you're coming from? Well, we've talked a bit about the identity piece in in the baptism and wilderness stories. Uh, Word, spirit, the core missionary task. But then Jesus fleshes those things out in, in, in his strategy, which is he's going to raise up pioneering leaders. So he's looking for leaders that want to go uh, into unreached areas and communities and make disciples and ultimately in the book of Acts, plant churches. Um, he's committed to what we call contagious relationships, that the gospel, the movement spreads through pre-existing relationships. You know, the woman at the well or Zacchaeus or the demoniac. You know, he's continually sending people into their relational world. Um, he's rapidly mobilizing workers. So you come to know Christ if you're the woman at the well, and within the hour, you're going into your village to tell everybody uh, about this guy. Um, and so there's that rapid mobilization of, of the newest disciples to make disciples. And there's adaptive methods. So everything Jesus does, you think he's, I mean, he is relying on the support of, of uh, some of his disciples, some wealthy minis- women are supporting this ministry. But when he sends the workers out into the harvest field, it's very simple, low-cost methods that um, anybody can engage it with without a large budget or uh, without um, buildings and facilities. Um, so there's some of the ways that... Um, the strategy flows from what Jesus is doing. And then there are uh, what we call, you know, the, uh, the methods are, well, how are we going to flesh out those principles of identity and strategy in any setting? And they vary from place to place. Um, 
So they're the variable, but identity and strategy, you know, as Jesus expressed them, as we see them followed up in the book of Acts there, that's our starting point for what a movement is. Yeah. Now, in typically UK church planting, you'd have a, a maybe a church planter who might plant a church and stick mm. around for for maybe 10 years or so. I mean, that's you know, it tends mm. to be the kind of, you know, the founding pastor yeah. sometimes has to be asked to leave or whatever, you know, because, you know, they sometimes outstay mm. their working. You, you're, you're assuming that the churches are going to be very self-sufficient very soon, um, you know, but because that was the apostles method, certainly, um, as you look in the book of Acts. Well, self-sufficient in one sense, and then, hey, expect a lot of problems. Right, <laughs> and, sure. Yeah. And, and part of that, that, you know, so you've got the pioneers who are breaking new ground. They're raising up, uh, you know, local leaders to, to continue on the ministry, but they're continually circling back with, um, you know, Paul sending someone, he's writing a letter or he's returning in person. Because there's, you know, that ministry of church strengthening is continuing. So, and some church plants, I mean, we've, we've lived in the UK for three and a half years and we know the scene there. And, and some church planters are called to stay in one place for 10 years. I mean, Paul stayed probably up to three years in Ephesus. Um, but what's he doing while he's there? He's not just a senior pastor at the first church of Ephesus, you know. Um, he's reaching um, and out into the whole of Asia Minor, which is sort of, um, uh, you know, some millions of people. Yeah. Epaphras is up there planting in Colossae and Hierapolis. Uh, Paul's saying by the, you know, or Luke says, by the time Paul finished at Ephesus, the whole of Asia Minor in some way had been touched by the gospel. So a local church leader, they can stay the rest of their life, but... The example Paul sets is reach your region, not just your local suburb in depth. So you're listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. We're joined this week by uh, Steve Anderson. We're talking about uh, church movements. Um, just before the break, um, Steve, we'll just uh, start, at least start looking at um, uh, the, the Methodist movement, which is something that you... Um, you look at in your book, obviously, from a UK perspective, this is particular interest in terms mm-hmm. of a movement. And I was fascinated the way in which, um, you know, John Wesley, t- you know, had his had his system that he had uh, um, had adopted for when people had come to faith. But on one occasion, he didn't use that method and and came yeah. came back and sadly very little had, had, had remained of the fruit mm-hmm. that had apparently started when he when he preached earlier. Mm. Yeah. He was responding to a pressing need. And, I mean, Wesley was the sort of man, I mean, he, he turned up and thousands would, would turn out. Yeah. But uh, he learned through that experience. He said, I never strike a blow without following up the punch. Yeah. So unless he could organize new believers into disciple-making groups and societies, he decided it, it just wasn't the, the, his priority. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's fascinating to fascinating to be aware of. Well, we're going to have a, a, a break now, and then we'll come back to talk to Steve uh, a little bit more on the church movements. Welcome back to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Steve Anderson. Uh, Steve is uh, 
an author of uh, a latest book, The Rise and Fall of Movements, A Roadmap for Leaders. He's uh, based now in Melbourne, Australia. He joins us on, on the line. And we were talking before the break a little of, um, of how he realised as a church planter that he wanted to, to create um, structures and situations whereby uh, Christians themselves would go on to be reproducing in terms of new newcomers and new believers, uh, so that um, the church itself could um, could multiply, and that's how, uh, in, in part, how movements uh, are developed. S- Steve, I was I was fascinated by the the story of uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name Kumar uh, Pillai, is it? Yeah, in northern yeah, India. Yeah, you got it. Kumar Pillai, yeah. who who in northern India, he was able to plant. He, he he had an aim of a hundred churches by 2020, and he could mm. he was doing well, but he he could tell he wasn't going to make 2020. And then he he adjusted his approach, and I thought I thought his adjustment kind of illustrated the kind of points you're making in terms of a movement. Yeah, and it, it's a reminder in in this age of missions that it's it's going to be Indians who reach India. Yeah, and yet there's still a role for the outsider to play. So. Kumar connected with uh, uh, a missionary by the name of uh, Nathan Shank, and Nathan just helped him see there's no way he was going to fulfill that uh, target unless he started turning ordinary new believers into disciple-makers. So Kumar went out into his local community and visited, I think, 300 homes, he found about a dozen uh, people who were ready to turn and put their faith in Christ. And then he met with them and taught them how to reach their friends and family. And as a result, overnight, um, you know, there, there's a dozen new churches in his community. And his role was sort of like a shadow pastor that he would meet with those leaders, he'd invest in them, and then they would take what they were learning and um, and continue to disciple the people in their world. And as a result of that, I think, you know, it was a very short time and, and there's 100 churches and then there were 400 churches. Yes. Well, we, we, we've stopped counting for Kumar in North India and other parts of the world. And the key shift is he moved from being the church planter or the pastor to being the catalyst, that apostolic role of empowering others to reach their world. And the, the, the sort of example I give is, you know, don't just be a parent. That's what you can do. Become a grandparent and a great-grandparent. Yep. So your job, as soon as possible, is to give authority and responsibility uh, to help ordinary disciples make disciples. Yeah, yeah. And, and it struck me that the heart of your approach is this central belief that every new disciple can be a disciple maker. But it has to be said, we don't we don't see this in the, the UK church. Mm-hmm. If someone reaches someone else for Christ, that's that's regarded as a, a little unusual and a, a, something to celebrate. I mean, mm-hmm. and it is, of course, mm-hmm. but it's the, the, the most 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 people who are attending churches are, are not at that level. They're they're. You know they're they're struggling. They're dealing with stuff, perhaps, uh, which I mean, it's great to see the vision. But is this something you think we're mm. we're doing wrong? As you observed our church, or as you observe mm. the church mm. in in Australia? Well, and a very similar scene here in Australia. But the exciting thing we learned from our three and a half years in the UK is that it, it can happen. Uh, so we would 
uh, Goanne Train and, and others are continuing on this work of training ordinary believers in, in making disciples. And pretty soon, folks start coming to know Christ. And we've discovered that's what changes people and changes churches. It's actually not focusing on what we're not doing right. It, you know, I, I, we've, we've got case studies all around the UK now of where local churches are doing some basic training, getting a vision for their community, and just learning to offer prayer to people that they, they meet or that they already know. Uh, share a simple um, gospel presentation and then invite someone to read the Bible with them and to learn how to follow Jesus. And that's happening all over the UK now. It's not yet a multiplying movement, but everywhere where we've gone and trained um, we, we and people implement, we start seeing new lives. And that's what unfreezes the church members and the church leaders and the church life is when there are fresh stories of new disciples. Yeah. Yes, I, I'm, uh, I was impressed with the Discovery Bible Study Method, which is particularly uh, something in the United States. You you um, told stories of how someone went to a neighborhood and very quickly saw, you know, yeah. saw churches birthed. Um, and it's a very simple method, isn't it, at one level? Yes. We, we have um, uh, primary school uh, students doing this we have even i'm married to a grandma now but we have grandmas doing this yeah yeah um they're making disciples of people who were once far from god the multiplication side we've been we're getting glimpses of but almost immediately that people start sharing and then doing discovery with people there are folks coming to know christ um i'll be in the uk um uh, in the next uh, week or so, to, when this goes to air, and you know whether it's Manchester or Leicester or down in Essex uh, or in London, there are people coming to Christ and and going on into discipleship and 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 uh, with others. Um, so it's it's a good it's a good day to be alive. Oh, fabulous, fabulous. And um, Steve, in the in the book, you you look at the. Um the kind of uh, the, the bow curve almost of, of, of movements, you know, the birth, mm. the growth, the maturity, and then sadly the, 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 the decline. Um, as as you, have, and you, you reflect on different aspects of church history, looking back, uh, were there any particular ones that struck you as, that you could just share as a kind of glimpse for, for listeners? Of an example of the uh, an example of either of either growth or or decay that that struck you particularly powerfully as you were researching. Well, certainly uh, one of the greatest stories of church history is what God did uh, through the Methodist movement and the revival that was related to that. And the key lesson from from John Wesley is he'd done that identity piece. He's a man of the word of the spirit. He's focused on discipling a nation. He knows what the mission is. But he mobilizes and, and, and empowers ordinary people to get that job done. Um, you know, they, they were teenagers on, on subsistence wages on those, uh, you know, those circuit riders on horseback. And the same sort of approach was um, implemented in the U.S. under Francis Asbury, even more incredible uh, explosion of uh, gospel discipleship and church formation. Now, we tracked the Methodists, 
and we can see the decline that's been going on as a steady decline now for perhaps 100 years in terms of the rate of growth. Um, how do you turn that around? You get back to first things. You get back to those stories of Jesus' baptism and wilderness testing, and you say, let's, let's place obedience to the living word of God above all other loyalties. Yeah. Even if it's uncomfortable in this culture, uh, let's depend on the Holy Spirit to, to change us from the inside out and thrust us into the harvest field. And let's refocus, because churches love to broaden the, the mission. They, we want to transform the whole world, okay? And that's a nice byproduct of the gospel. But typically in the New Testament, we don't see Ephesus transformed or Jerusalem. What we see is cities and places transformed into riots, wherever Jesus goes or Paul goes or the gospel goes. Because their focus at the core of what they're doing is we're going to multiply disciples and churches. And if there's a spin-off and a blessing into the culture, that's fine. But we're not making cultural transformation our core mission, because if we do that, we won't achieve it. Ironically, you know, the early Methodists achieved transformation because they made gospel and discipleship and church formation the heart of their mission. Yeah. And and so, you know, we I guess there's an example of both the rise and, and the decline of the movement and also the hope of renewal if we'll return to that identity. Yeah. No, absolutely. Uh, and in fact, the Methodist Church, I think, is, is um, aligning itself with the, the pioneer new church movement in the UK to some degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're working together, which is great, great to see a bit of kind of cross fertilization. Yeah. It's all credit to all credit yeah. to gro- both groups. And I've seen I've seen some uh, some return to um, some of the health that, that oh, they've great. known, which is which is yeah. fab- fabulous. Um, mm-hmm. So, Steve, um, your, your book, um, how can how can people get a copy? Well, it's uh, available online at uh, Amazon.co.uk, and uh, it'll be available for bookstores to order. Um, and uh, so, they're probably the easiest way just to navigate to where the book is is to visit the website, which is movements.net. Movements.net. Okay, splendid. And yeah. and you you alluded to the fact that you're going to be in the UK um, in, yeah. in mid May running some conferences. Uh, do you do you have the particular dates to hand, or do people go again to that yeah, website? Well, I think if they went to movements.net, yeah, they'll find all the dates there on the front page of, of four locations in um, in the UK uh, from between about uh, yeah around the first one is uh, May. Nine, and then our last engagements May fifteen. Right. Okay. And are you a, so we'll a, in four locations? Are you aligned with yeah. a particular denomination um, or as such? Well, my, my wife and I lead a, a, a non-denominational mission agency called Move. Okay. Uh, our 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 back well, her background is Anglican. Uh, my background is Baptist, and 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 one of our key sort of base churches here is uh, is a, is a large Baptist church called Crossway. Crossway, splendid. So, um, hence, you know, well, I, I suppose I was kind of saying that people from any background can could come and enjoy oh, yeah. the fruit of of your day. It's not a particular star that you're sorting to uh, seeking to promote. 
No. We'll be partnering with Anglicans and New Frontiers and all sorts of different uh, evangelical groups. Fabulous. Good. Well, thank you, Steve, so much for for sharing and, and, and thank you again for the book. It'll be a great inspiration to many, I'm sure. Great. Thank you, Andy. So that's uh, Steve Addison, who uh, joined us uh, by phone from his home in Melbourne, Australia. He's uh, back. He's going to be back in the UK uh, mid-May, uh, soon after this broadcast is, um, is goes out. And go again to that uh, website, www.movements.net, and you can find more about uh, his visit to us and, and whether you can connect. And also uh, get a copy of his book, um, The Rise and Fall of Movements, a roadmap for leaders. So that's Steve Addison, A double D I S O N. You can, of course, as always, get uh, archive versions of the Leadership File by going to Premier's website. You can go to iTunes and download it to your um, listening device. And uh, I look forward to your company again next uh, Sunday at three thirty or via the podcast. However, you get your content. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's Word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 